This is Report to Wyoming. This show targets issues in Natrona County, where I talk to real people about their thoughts and ideas. Not too long ago, I received a tip from someone with the National Veterans of Foreign Wars, a.k.a. the VFW. She informed me that a Casper veteran named Carol Salveson is being honored for her dedication to her country and community in their Still Serving campaign. You can hear more service member stories on their social media by searching hashtag Still Serving No Spaces. I was lucky enough to get to chat with Carol. She brought in a really pretty dog named Lakota, who we mentioned in the conversation, to start things off, I just ask her how she got to this big little town in central Wyoming in the first place. I moved here in 2000. I'm retired Air Force, so I traveled many places. Grew up in Florida. Oh, okay. And then um, how did you get into the military? My father was military, so I kind of just followed in his footsteps. What was that like when you initially decided to join? Were there a lot of women that you knew also joining? or No, I was the only one. I was 21 at the time, and I knew I kind of had to grow up, and I had to do something. So I joined the military, and it was very good to me. My sister joined the Navy, and she had already done college for a little bit, and then thought, I just feel like I need an adventure. And so that's how she got in. And Yeah. How long were you in the military? 20 years. When did you start your family? 1986 is when I had my first child. Um, I was married about a year before that. Um, yes, 1986. And how many kids do you have? I have two boys, one in heaven and one on this earth. Your son was a veteran also, right? Yes. Was he also Air Force? No, he spent 10 years in the Army and then in the Reserves. He served in Afghanistan and Iraq, among other places. When did he officially come home? I believe it was 2013 when he got out. Can you tell me just a little bit about him, what he was like, what he was interested in? He was adventuresome. He wanted an adventure. I tried to talk him into going in the Air Force. It was <laughs> too calm. He wanted to go in the Air Force, I mean, in the Army. He, he was Special Forces, and at the time... He was actually the youngest one ever to graduate the Special Forces course. Wow. So that was quite an accomplishment, actually. And he was proud of that. And he loved what he did. And he loved the teamwork aspect. And and he loved his country. He loved serving his country. And did he come back to Casper as well? No. He was not a small-town boy. He lived in Seattle. Oh, Seattle. Okay. What ended up happening, his story, I guess, would you tell our listeners, because I kind of have a picture of what happened from the email I received, but would you kind of tell us his story and how that led to what you're doing there, why Lakota is here today? Right. Uh, So Lakota is a service dog in training, and she's a yellow lab. And my son had been out of the service for four years, and he was going to college, and he was just weeks from graduating with a degree in political science. Uh, when he died by suicide. And we realize it now after the fact, but uh, we didn't know at the time that he was still dealing with PTSD, post-traumatic stress, and um, perhaps with graduation and everything culminating, um, he he took his life. Uh, It was a shock to everybody. Had you at any point before this, did you know that he was dealing with perhaps suicidal ideation? Not at all, and I had even asked him about it, and in retrospect, maybe I didn't ask the right way, and I also realized that he didn't answer me directly. He walked around the issue 
and I just assumed he was okay because he was so happy-go-lucky and adventuresome and smart and outgoing. I wasn't really worried about him. I had no idea. It, it's um, the prevalence of suicide among veterans is so high. And it's also just as a whole the second leading cause of death amongst our young people. Ages, let's see, I wrote this down. I think it's ages 18 to, oh, between ages of 10 and 34. This is a big, big issue, and it's hard to tackle. But one of the ways you're doing it is by training service dogs to help with depression or PTSD. Yes, PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and I would add to your statistics, one group that's often left out is first responders. Mm -hmm. They also um, deal with this, and I think that the first responders have yet to come to grips with it and realize that it is a significant problem. But um, I'm a dog trainer, not a therapist. What was your question? So this is, well, I kind of was fishing. That's how you became a dog trainer for So after I lost my son, I know, knew I wanted to do something. Um, at the time, I was a teacher here at the uh, Natrona County High Schools for special education. But I knew I wanted to help veterans, so I was able to retire from teaching as well as being retired from the Air Force. And with that, uh, I went to school to learn how to train service dogs, I'm much better with dogs than I am with people. I'm not a counselor. And so that's what I decided to do because my son loved dogs. I love dogs. And I know that service dogs make a difference. And Lakota, has, is she your personal dog? No, all of these dogs are part of Project Kinney, which is a nonprofit that I work with. They're actually based out of Seattle, Washington. And the reason I got connected with them is they started a nonprofit the same time I started training dogs. And um, we had mutual friends through my son. She's trying to get all your treats. Yes, <laughs> I had yes, to tell us. Yes. So they, uh, they con- a, a mutual friend connected me with this nonprofit that was starting out in Washington. And we've been partnered ever since. And, and it's an amazing nonprofit that supports our veterans. Is there a particular breed that seems to work best? We really like the labs. Oh. Labs are friendly and they're outgoing. Quite often, PTS affects not only the veteran but the whole family. And so labs are great service dogs and they're great family dogs. We don't turn down any breed, though. We've worked with, with many breeds, including pit bulls and shepherds, boxers. It's all based on temperament. But our, our first choice is labs. Oh, we have a lab. Okay. They are very playful and good with kids, I can attest. How do you guys get your dogs? So we purchased some from a reputable breeder out in South Dakota that she knows exactly the temperament she we're looking for. And she's also donated a couple to us. Other people have donated dogs. A, um, a breeder just donated a golden retriever to us. That's our first golden retriever. And we have a few rescues, not too many, and also um, uh, some other dogs have been donated. You may have mentioned this, but how many years have you been doing this? Six years. You have been in the game for a minute, but not a super long time. What have you learned in that six years, maybe that you didn't know on the first year? I still have a lot to learn. But it definitely requires a lot of patience, but the dogs want to learn, they want to please, and that's the other thing about labs is that they want to please. Um, our training is very positive based. As you can see, I use lots of treats. 
punishment doesn't work, but what I've learned is, is that this is probably my therapy as well. What is it about dogs that you think um, is so helpful for PTSD? Well, I just watched a documentary, and it talks about how dogs' brains are wired closest to humans to create that bond between human and dog. And another thing that they have found through research is that when you make eye contact with a dog, it releases oxytocin, which is a love hormone in both you and your dog. That makes sense. Okay. And do you think you'll continue doing this for a long time? As long as I can. How, uh, how long does it take to train a dog from start to finish? And then do you start when they're puppies or can you do it at any point? We like to start right from eight weeks. There's a period where it's very critical to socialize the dog, get them out in public, and that's from about six weeks to four months. And that's why rescues uh, quite often don't work because they haven't had that socialization piece. So we start at eight weeks and it usually takes a year and a half to two years. And so it sounds like Project Kenny is headquartered in Seattle? Yes, we're registered in Wyoming and Washington, uh, but most of the board members is, are in Washington. All training takes place here at our training center, which is in Mills, Wyoming. So all the dogs, all the volunteer trainers were here in the local area. Now, th- is this totally separate from canine training or police dogs? Absolutely separate, yes. Okay, because I know they've got their canine facility out there, but it's very different. Yeah. So a service dog, how it, what is that training like? You're saying socialization. Is there anything more to it besides just being a really nice, friendly cuddle partner? <laughs> yes, it is, actually. That's a great question. So a uh, really nice cuddle partner is an emotional support animal. Service dogs uh, have to do something. And, and I know that your people can't see this, but typically a veteran that's getting anxious or worried, they'll clench their hands. And so we train our dogs to interrupt that. If they bounce our, their leg, the dog will interrupt that, and it helps ground the veteran. Our dogs can also do nightmare interruption. Uh, they can clear a house. They can pick up objects. It's all tailored to each individual veteran and what they need. And so the other part of it is they have to be able to go out in the community and be well-behaved and social with both people and other animals and not react to them. We put all our dogs through the American Kennel Club Canine Good Citizen Test and a public service access test before we send them off with their veterans. So that would be the certification process. They have to pass these exams, if you will, and then they get the stamp of approval. And then, I guess, I don't know, are service dogs restricted anywhere or can a service dog go just about anywhere a person could? There are restrictions. Service dogs are allowed wherever it's a public spot. With exceptions, for example, if I was to take Lakota into a zoo where there is a lion, that lion might view the dog as prey and that would disrupt the lion's natural environment. So there's certain things like that that are restricted. Private establishments, I mean, even churches are private and they can deny access to a dog. But the Casper area is an amazing community. Very few places, actually only two places have ever told me I couldn't bring in my service dogs in training. Um, Service dogs in training don't have any rights in Wyoming, uh, but again, the Casper community is very welcoming and supportive. I want to ask too, do you only, I guess I'm trying to, I'm wondering if your dogs 
that you try and stay in Wyoming or if they go all out? They go all out. So for the local veterans, we have a program because we have a very long waiting list of about 45 people. Oh, wow. And so for our local veterans, because the waiting list is so long, what I recommend is that they take the dog they have or find a suitable dog, and I help them, and I help them train it themselves to be a service dog. And during that process, it creates an amazing bond. Um, courses never guarantee, uh, but the dogs that, that I train and that my volunteers help me train, they go all over, although we've placed several in Wyoming. It, does it cost the veterans anything? Nothing. No, it's completely free, and we even give them supplies, and uh, we provide continued support after we place the dog. At what age do the dogs go to their, what have you say, veteran or handler? Between a year and a half and two. So once they finish their training. Uh, so I think Lakota's almost two, and she took a little bit longer because she's kind of high energy. Not right now. <laughs> she's passed uh, out, folks. Yes. <laughs> I guess that means she's comfortable with me right, in this right. small space. Okay. Exactly. Will she go out? She's ready to go now. She is oh. just waiting on a veteran. We think we have one lined up, but we're just trying to finalize it. And is that difficult for you ever? You get this amazing bond with them, and then you have to release them. That is the most common question I get, actually. And it is very hard to give them up, and I cry over every dog that oh. I give up. <laughs> but... It's so worth it because I see that the bond that's, that's being formed with their veteran. What's even harder is when you spend a year or a year and a half training them and they don't make it and you have to wash them out. Oh. It's actually very hard to wash a dog out. Um, what would be reasons they don't make it? Just, just who too hyper, not focused? Uh, I have a dog now that's right on the edge because he's not comfortable out in public. Sometimes they bark too much. Sometimes they're not learning the tasks. Things like that is what they'll wash them out. They have to be uh, able to access the community before I can place them with a veteran. And then washed out, does that mean they're put up for adoption? Is And is it difficult to rehome them? It has not been too hard to rehome them. I do put them up for adoption. And so far, every dog that I've had, um, I've found good homes for. Is this all happening at your house or do you have a facility? Oh, you said in Mills. Okay. I do have a facility. For the first five years, I did do it out of my house. Oh, my and I gosh. I like eight dogs in my house. And I still take dogs home. I rotate them. We have about a dozen dogs we're training right now. Oh, so wow. they stay at the training center, and we train at the training center in the community. But every night, I rotate a couple dogs home so they get used to being home. They learn not to jump on the dinner table. And, <laughs> uh, they learn that home manners, which is very important. Plus, they get lots of love oh and attention at home. And these are all kind of young dogs, puppies mostly. They so oh, you've got your hands full. It is fun. Yeah. And my, my family, my husband and my son, they're very, very supportive. Oh, good. That's awesome. So 12 right now. Yes. And then when you say we, is it? Uh, family operation or who's helping you with this? I have just a group of uh, volunteers from the community that have found me various ways and on Saturdays I have a really solid group that comes in and they all take a dog and they train a dog. I have some volunteers that come in during the week. I just finished up before school started with a couple teenagers and they were amazing trainers. So everybody that volunteers they get to work with the dog. I don't really have them out cleaning up the poop or washing the dishes. I really want them to handle the dogs because that helps the dogs get used to different people too. Oh, how much dog food do you go through a week? A lot. 
There's probably a thousand dollars a month in dog food. Oh my gosh! So then, all the poop. That's a lot, a lot of work. <laughs> Amazing. I keep thinking, the, Michelle, when she sent this information, she included a picture of your son with his dog. I think, was it an Australian Shepherd? It was, yes. So we'll include that in our post about it. So he must have loved dogs. He loved dogs, yes. When he was in Afghanistan, he adopted a feral dog out there and trained it, and it was going on missions with him. Oh, my he gosh. He really wanted to bring it home. But he couldn't. Do you, did I should ask, and I can edit this out if it's sensitive, but did you end up with the Australian Shepherd? No. He had a um, longtime girlfriend, and she kept Okay. Uh-oh. In other states, are they working with Seattle as well, or is it just exclusively Wyoming and Washington in, for this particular nonprofit? So our board members are scattered around the country, but we have applications from... Uh, many states. We've placed dogs in Texas, North Carolina, Washington, and a couple other states that I'm not remembering right now. I wonder in Seattle what their operation looks like because it's such a big population. Oh, so no, all training happens here. It's just our board. All tra- oh, okay. So our board is pretty amazing. Uh, we have some very successful businessmen, and we also have ex-military and the ex-military, uh, our executive director is a retired special forces. He's the one that matches the dog to the veteran. He's the one that vets the veterans to make sure they truly need a service dog and they just don't want a dog they can take with them everywhere. Now, have you gotten to meet any of these veterans personally? Every one of them. So when they get a dog, they come to me for a minimum of three days and sometimes I go to them and I teach them how to work with the dog, how to train the dog, I also do the follow-up if they have any questions. So, yes, I meet everyone. And it's kind of a matchmaking business then, right? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. want to make sure. Do, is it ever, like, just not love at first sight? And, okay. I went to Texas with the dog, and I ended up coming back with the dog. It just wasn't a good match. Mm. Would you say it's more men than women? Because I was just looking at stats, and it's a lot. Um, veteran suicide seems to be a lot higher in males than women. So it is mainly men because the military is mainly men, but military sexual trauma is very real, uh, very prevalent. 25% of women that have been in the military have reported um, that they are a victim of military sexual trauma, and that's amazing that one in four women are having to deal with this if they don't feel safe in the military. And so we've placed a couple dogs with victims of military sexual trauma, and that happens to men as well. Uh, But the women also are seeing the effects of war. And it's not just military sexual trauma, but just war uh, that affects the women as well. Okay. And then do you only um, give service dogs to veterans or you were touching on law enforcement and other agencies? Do you ever home dogs with uh, those agencies? I am willing to help the first responders that they would come to me. But so far, none of them have. Oh, okay. My door is always open. I will always help them. And the other thing is that you asked about the veterans. We have placed a dog on a rare occasion with the spouse. There was one spouse who lost her husband to suicide, and she was really struggling, and she received an emotional support animal from... 
And with the how good they are with kids, I can see how if you did have kids and just the absence of that person, it can't replace them, of course, but definitely be a comfort. As far as other performance, are they tra- are they protectors? Is that a thing, or is it really like you don't want them to be barking when someone comes to the door? We emphasize within Project Kinney that our dogs are there not to protect you. We want our dogs to integrate you into society, not to cut you off. Uh, not everybody has that philosophy, not every service dog organization, but it's important for us that it helps a veteran go into a store and people don't avoid the veteran and their scary looking dog. We want them to feel part of the community. So we do not, absolutely do not teach our dogs to guard. Now if the dog's at home and someone comes to the door, it may bark. That's a natural dog thing, but that's a little bit different. Are any two dogs the same? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But so many of them have the same characteristics that they're friendly and loving and um, labs are typically very treat motivated, as you probably know. Yes, I do. And they shed a lot. Yes. That's okay. That just comes with it, and we're fine with that. So, so there's no uh, local breeding op. You just procure them from different um, places around the nation and donations. Correct. Although we haven't rolled out starting our own breeding program, just so we can get the temperament that we want. Mm-hmm. More control, I would imagine. Correct. Yeah. We're still considering that and in the process. Um, are there any things that you hope for in the next five years, like your vision of things? If, if there was any change, what would you want? So right now we're 100% volunteers, and I'm not getting any younger. So if it's going to continue at this rate of a dozen dogs or more, at some point they will have to hire a trainer to come in and help me and eventually take over. Although, as I said, I will help as long as I can. Are you volunteer as well? Yes. And how many hours a week do you think you're putting into it? A minimum of 40. Um, Okay. And that I'm assuming, though, this is a full-time, like, if you leave or something, it's got to be hard to get away because, yeah, someone has to have a really intimate knowledge of how you do things. Any, um, have you ever had any problems with barking or dogs escaping or people being disgruntled about that? Uh, I don't know about people being disgruntled. If you're talking about people in the community, they're awesome. Nobody complains about my dogs. Uh, but they have escaped. And they've escaped in my neighborhood, and my neighbors see me driving around looking for them. <laughs> but they usually don't go too far. Okay, very cool. I picture how many puppies do you have right now? Oh, well, if you define a puppy under a year, I guess I have about eight of them are under a year. But the other thing that I do is I take my dogs out onto BLM land, way away from everything, and I teach them to run within a certain proximity of me and then to come back to me. So they learn not to run too far. What about um, integrating them with other animals? What's that process like? I'm thinking cats, for example. So a lot of veterans, that's funny you ask that, a lot of veterans ask me, does the dog get along with cats? Well, my husband's allergic to cats, so we have an office cat. And this is the best cat ever, and it can read the dog. It knows when the dog's not friendly and when the dog is friendly. 
And right now, every single dog I have gets along with this cat. She'll play with them, and she'll stalk them and attack them. She's a great cat. Oh, perfect. Okay. I, it's got to be harder with hedgehogs and all that, but it's like there that goes back to restrictions, though, and maybe it's not a great idea to bring your service dog to the zoo or, right. yeah. I'm trying to think, is there anything that you'd want your listeners to know? Uh, there is, actually. I would want them to know that a service dog doesn't cure post-traumatic stress, but a service dog helps them get through it. We don't require it, but we always emphasize that if a veteran needs a service dog, he probably, he or she probably needs therapy as well. And so the therapy is what helps them deal with the PTS, um, but when their PTS kicks in and they get anxious, the dog can help them stay in that big retail store or not get angry in, in the middle of traffic and to stay calm at home. Um, the dog just helps them get through it. And as, as one of the veterans explained to me, it just helps ground them. And having someone to take care of, too. I wonder, it's you have to get out of bed in the morning when you have a dog, go on walks, all of the things that come with that. No, but I'm always welcome to volunteers. Uh, Any age is welcome. I work with your schedule. And like I said, you always get to work with dogs. I actually, most of my my volunteers could go out and be a basic dog trainer because I teach them the skills. And it's very positive-based, like I mentioned. What would a day volunteering look like? It's usually just an hour. The dogs have a very short attention span, so our Saturday class is only 30 minutes because the dogs are like three-year-olds. Their attention span is very short. And so we work on the basic commands typically. Sometimes we go out in the community. Uh, I have a couple volunteers that we may just go have coffee with the dog at a local coffee shop so that they learn to just sit there for 30 minutes with strangers. How do we integrate babies into this? Do you have volunteers who are willing to help you? So babies are really, you know, you always worry. I don't know if you can trust any dog 100%. So I can't say that I expose my dog to babies because I worry about the safety, the safety of a baby. They're so vulnerable. Um, But I do have young people where if I, I have certain dogs that I trust that the dog will approach them. If the dog approaches them, then they can pet the dog. If the dog's not comfortable, it won't go up to them. So I do work Thanks. with young ones. What is the protocol for a um, c- civilian or even another veteran if they see um, a veteran with a service dog? Is it ever appropriate to ask if you can pet the dog? Or what do you, what's kind of, I think for some people, this is a gray area. So my recommendation is that you not ask to pet the dog. If you are petting somebody's service dog, that service dog is no longer focused on his owner. He's focused on you, and he's not doing his job. So everybody wants to pet a dog. Even though I go out in the community and it says, do not pet, people come up and say, I know it says do not pet, but if the dog Uh. is working and it has a do not pet, please don't ask. Some people do say ask before petting, and then if they have that patch on their vest, ask before petting, by all means you can ask. I think that's a good reminder and something I'm not always aware of as well. So, yeah. And then it it might be worth saying thank you to the person with the dog opposed to petting them. We can redirect people to just say, instead of petting the dog or asking, just say thank you for your service. Yes, and you know what else the veterans really like is they, they, if you just talk to them about their dog, what a good-looking dog. 
Oh, sure. Make a comment about it. Yeah. yeah. It is not appropriate to ask why they have a service dog. It's absolutely appropriate to admire their dog and tell them what a good dog it is. Hopefully, it's a good dog. On good, good behavior. Yes. I should also add... Um, where can people get a hold of you or find you? Do you have social media or do you prefer that people call? Um, yes, they can. Um, I have a Facebook, Project Kinney Casper, where they can get a hold of me, or they can email carol at projectkinney.org or call me 307 267 2586. If you're a local veteran that uh, you need a service dog, give me a call, or if you're a volunteer and you want to help out. If you want to donate, you can donate at projectkinney.org. After talking to Carol, I went to projectkinney.org, and I found some really cool stories about their dogs, one of which I wanted to share. Patton was a two-year-old Belgian Malinois who was donated and trained for Project Kenny. He was matched up with a medically retired combat veteran that had over five combat rotations. And not only did Patton help with the veteran's anxiety, he also recognized when the veteran stopped breathing at night due to sleep apnea. Patton jumps on the bed with the veteran to wake him up, and he did this of his own accord without any additional training. Another dog they featured is named Willie, a black Labrador retriever who was named after Carol's son, William Bobby Doolin. Carol trained Willie in remembrance of her son and gave him to an active duty service member who had been combat wounded and recently lost his own son, a veteran, to suicide. And I'll just read one more story. Um, They have several on their website. The third dog that they've written about um, is a canine companion named Willow. Willow was a pit bull who initially had a few hiccups with discipline around other dogs, but Project Kenny was able to fund the training for her so that she could accompany a veteran on his many travels and come with him to work. The veteran was even given a larger office at work to accommodate Willow because everyone loves having her around. This has been Report to Wyoming, presented in the public interest by Town Square Media.